Welcome to the BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast, coming to you from Vero Beach, Florida, and Marion, Massachusetts. Hosted by Ed Chenefee, this is the podcast that researches and investigates the club management and facility side of our business. Hello, and welcome to the BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast. I'm Ed Chenefee, your host, and each time we take to the microphone, it's a pleasure to bring you the news and views of the private members club and boutique hotel industries. We've titled this episode, where everybody knows your name. You'll find out why soon. How do you get a family of four to choose the country club dining room rather than a restaurant in downtown? Aaron James, general manager at the Country Club of Asheville, discusses just how he creates a destination for that family. Men don't have to wear ties and jackets anymore, and women can wear their mountain town clean denim. But it's more than that. James says it's rather simple. Create that community that the members really desire where everybody knows your name. The theme song to Cheers. Yeah, come to think of it, Cheers was a community of people that knew and cared about each other, and the country club should be no different. James talks about how he is marketing that ideal through email, but also through social media, using Instagram and Facebook, all the way through to LinkedIn, not always thought to be at the forefront of marketing for country clubs. James keeps the restaurant fresh and changes the club's menu every two weeks. That's an enormous challenge for any food and beverage department. The members are attuned to that, and he brings the staff up to date through strong management. The holiday season sees decor changes and Christmas trees and events that bring the entire family to the club for that special experience. But before I bring Aaron on the line to discuss making a country club a destination, I'd like to remind all our 10,000 listeners, yeah, thanks so much, folks, just what we do here at Beyond the Baselines. We're a management consultancy specializing in private members clubs and boutique hotels. Whether you have a need to find your next general manager, director of golf or tennis, or would like to outsource a particular department, we're here to advise you through those processes. And if required, supply interim management or full management. So please drop by our website at beyondthebaselines.com. You can always email us at consultants at beyondthebaselines.com or give us a call right here in the office on 508-538-1288. I'm at Ed Chanifee Consultant on Instagram and Beyond Baselines on Twitter. So feel free to reach out to me directly anytime. But now, from one of the oldest clubs in North Carolina and all the nation, the general manager overseeing a membership of 650 and still growing high in Asheville, here's Aaron James. Hello, folks, and uh, I'm Ed Shanifee. I'm your host, and, and this week we have Aaron James on the line with us. Aaron is the club manager, general manager at Country Club of Asheville down there in North Carolina. Welcome, Aaron, and uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Ed. Aaron and I met on LinkedIn, basically, over a, a, a comment uh, on someone's post. I forget wh- whose post it was, but it was about uh, making your club a destination. It might have been my post, and I think you may maybe weighed in. Um, but before we go into how Aaron makes uh, Country Club of Asheville a, a destination for his members, I'd like you, uh, Aaron, I'd like you to take us through your story and how you got into club management and um, how how uh, you got to Country Club of Asheville. Yeah, how'd that happened. Uh, thank you for having me, Ed. Uh, I got into club management. Uh, my first management in hospitality was in a company called Club Med International Resorts. You don't know Club Med. Uh, 70, 70 uh, locations around the world, 70 years in the, in the business. Uh, their whole goal is member set is guest satisfaction, working on that plus plus. And the, the GOs, the gracious organizers, are about creating that, getting people in, creating that atmosphere of, of graciousness. So 
uh, our goal was always member contact, member contact, member contact. Uh, and that, that was the skill set that I took away from there the most was 7 a.m. to 1 a.m. I am in front of the membership. I'm in front of the guests. I am talking to them. We sat down. We would have lunch with them. We'd have dinner with them. And it really sparked a fire in me going, okay, I can make a career out of this. This is the best part of this job. Um, so we've kind of, over the years, I've kind of adjusted trying to find what that looks like. Uh, I thought I was going to be in hotels. I worked for the Marriott company down in uh, Mobile, lower, lower Alabama, Mobile area. Um, and then I got in with Cherokee Town and Country Club under uh, the guise of uh, Michael Wheeler. And my boss at the time was Matthew Spangenberg. Um, they really helped refine my skill set as a manager. It's a small club, Cherokee. Small, small club, not on, you know, not known at, at all. No. Great, great tutelage there. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Well done. Go, going yeah. from uh, from Mobile to Cherokee. Well done. That's a great move. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Go on. Sorry. To so I was uh, I was on the fitness side, fitness and wellness. So I, I had a skill set there, and then as we all know, fitness and wellness is not about. Uh, it's a deficit. It's a deficit adventure in whatever you do. So it's about creating foot traffic, engaging with the membership, getting people to come through the doors. Um, and that's really what we used it as, as a tool. Um, we ended up going from a $700,000 operation to a $1.4 million operation. In the three years I was there, we went through uh, renovating both fitness centers uh, from top to tail, uh, equipment, flooring, everything. Uh, we bought, built up the spa and it's still thriving today. I, I I saw a post the other day that they're still going well, and I'd absolutely love to hear the things that they're doing over there. Um, and then I kind of, and then I went down to Kiowa, and I found that there's a culture down there that uh, that was a little bit more uh, beachy, and I wanted to get back in the country club industry. So I came up here. I got the opportunity to come up here to work for Asheville and McConnell Golf, and it has been absolutely amazing in the last year now. Um, and I couldn't be happier about it. They've really given me the tools to succeed and the people around me just are excited to have me here. And that's even better. Yeah. So, you you know, you are a, a real, a really good example of hospitality because you started at Club Med. And for those I, I've been to Club Med once I went there on a conference for a, a USPTA conference. They had it. They had a Club Med here in Port St. Lucie. And it, it's not a club. I mean, it says Club Med, but it's really a resort, isn't it? It's it's like people come for two weeks. You see them for two, three weeks, maybe max, right? Uh, yeah, two, three weeks. Sometimes people come three, four, five, six times a year. Um, that's actually the one I started at was the one in Port St. Lucie. Um, and then I got shipped off to China and did a, did a stint of training in the Dominican Republic. So you really get to, to refine your skills through the different cultures you're working with and understanding how different people, different cultures mesh and what they expect of each uh, resort right and uh, so so basically your roots are there on the resort side and then you went into country clubs with uh, from Alabama to Cherokee um, and and that whole so you you have a really good pedigree in this and, and it's great that you're now at Country Club of Asheville one of the you know elite clubs in North Carolina uh, in the hills there it's a beautiful spot um, and how long have you been there at the club at uh, Asheville I've been here a year now uh, seen great. some great changes, seen some great uh, opportunities for continued growth as well. You know, you brought up something there. You saw the renovation of the fitness or two fitness centers at Cherokee. And every time a GM goes out uh, with his resume or her resume, uh, a lot of boards like to see that experience. Was that the case with you too? Because you were in charge, obviously, as, a, as, a, as you know, in the fitness and wellness. Was that a part of the interview process? Was that Was that important to the people that interviewed you? 
it's always important to whenever I've talked about that, people want to know that you can do the project management side of things. Uh, they can make sure that you're you're constantly keeping things up to date and welcoming, uh, trying to get the membership to engage. Uh, and that's what we're doing here at Asheville is trying to get the membership to engage. I came in with an older fitness facility and during my interview, I walked through and I said, OK, well, this is the first thing that we got to tackle because that's where people want to go. I mean, it's an amenity. It's a it's a deficit adventure, as I mentioned earlier, but people Every fitness center, every country club is going to want to have a fitness center over the next 15 years because people are making fitness a priority. And if you don't have a fitness center or you're an outdated fitness center, if you're not updating it constantly, keeping up with the trends, you're not going to get the people through the doors that you want to get because that's an easy, easy win. Yeah, it's funny. I just had a meeting with our director of fitness here at a club that I help out here in Florida. And, um, you know, the most important thing is making it a marketable uh, amenity consistently because in this time of uh, of inflation too where dues are going to go up you've got to make sure that every amenity is top notch so that when when a member comes to you and says hey you know dues are going up five percent well yeah but look what we did with the fitness center look what we did with the pool look what we did with the kitchen um so they can see where their money is going it's really important um i'm sure you're seeing that in, in Asheville as well oh yeah it, it's definitely as i've made adjustments to it people have have understood why we go up in dues, why we go up in capital dollars, whatever it is, especially at Cherokee, people are looking at it and they go, Oh, I get it. I get why you guys did X, Y, and Z. I get why you did that. And then at the same time, they started using the other parts of the facility because we were able to expand, uh, whether it was marketing for the fitness and wellness department or the food and beverage department, it was just a, an opportunity to expand everybody's horizons um, and update yeah. that experience. Right. And how many members do you have there at Asheville? Uh, we just under six fifty. Wow, it's a big club. It's Ooh. a it's a very big club. Um, we do about one point three million dollars in food and beverage revenue, and and we do close to twenty five plus thousand rounds of a year. That's a lot of golf and a lot of food. You know, it's oh. funny you bring that up. Every club manager I speak to, and I don't, I need to get more club managers on the podcast. But um, every club manager I speak to, you know, when you do a job um, spec for a club for a GM search. The first thing every GM candidate looks at is the the revenue dollars in the food and beverage department. That really tells those candidates where and and how big that club is. You could say you have, as you did, 650 members, but if they're not spending 1.3 million in the food and beverage, you really don't have anybody coming to the club. So that that's such an important stat that you bring up. And it feeds on to my next question was which is what this podcast is all about. How do you make your club a destination for your members? Obviously you're doing that in food and beverage. You've talked about what you've the major change you made, you made in the, uh, in the fitness side on the food and beverage side. How you know, how do you stand out from, for, for a family that uh, say a family of four that wants to go out for dinner? Um, how do you get them to the club rather than a local restaurant? What's, what's your theory behind that? How do you do that? Um, it's, it's real simple. The club, hey, is a the club is a community. How do you, and when people join a club, they don't, at, at the end of the day, yeah, they come for the food and beverage or they come for the fitness or they come for the golf or the tennis, whatever else you got going on. But at the end of the day, why people, why somebody joins a club is because they want to be part of a community. And why do people leave the clubs? Well, and it could be LA fitness. It could be whatever they leave because they're not engaged. 70% of everybody who leaves a club is not engaged in that club. Why aren't they engaged? Why haven't we built that community? I play the game when I go into the 
to the dining room. Hey, have you met Mr. Jones? Hey, Mr. Jones, this is so-and-so. He's a brand new member. Happy to have him here. You guys both work in this X industry and they hit it off. And next thing you know, that guy's got a golfing partner. That guy, they coming back to the bar for a drink or, uh, hey, you both have 10-year-old boys. And you create that community. You create that drive that people want to come and hang out with each other. The bar right. is the most is the most social place on earth. And how do we get people? Just the other day, I saw people who have both been in the club for members of this club for 10 years, looked at each other and go, I haven't met you yet. And they shook hands. And next thing you know, they're playing golf together. It's that, that's what this that's what this industry is about. You know, it's funny you say that because the club is a community and in and on the member side, and we were just talking about this this morning uh, at the club I'm helping out right now is that the members have to understand that too. And it, it it's led from the top. It led from, unfortunately, it goes to you. You know, buck stops with you. If, if you're not introducing or educating the members to realize that, hey, you got to give back to your club. This is your club. This is your community. I'm here to help. I'm here to, you know, uh, assist. But you have to really participate as well. Do you? I mean, obviously, you guys probably have a wait list right now. Um, no. I'm, no? Okay. No, so, so folks, we can growing. sign up. We can sign up today. Come on um, over. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you know, let's say you get a waitlist soon or what, what have you. I mean, obviously, one of those questions that I'm finding out really important with uh, new membership is how often do you think you'll be here and how will you view your club? Will you view it as a community? Will you just come here, play around and leave? Mm-hmm. Um you know, up in the summer destination clubs, people are so scheduled. It's really hard to get them to hang out, but I try to make it as best I can. Hey, you want a cup of coffee? I got coffee inside. You want, you know, let's go talk about your racket. Let's, uh, hey, have you met, as you said, Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so or your kids are friends. Don't you think you should be friends? Yeah. Um, so when you make it a community, uh, is it about, obviously it's about meeting people, but what about events? Is there like a new member luncheon, new member drinks? Uh, how do you how do you get the new members involved with with a coterie of friends that have been there for many years? Probably that is still uh, something I'm I'm currently in the process of building. When I got here, we didn't have a new member onboarding process. Um, we didn't have a chance for new members to to come in and see it, and it really was lackluster in that part of it. So what I've done is I've started the new member orientation. The minute they sign that that contract, they get an email from me saying, "Hey, I'd love to schedule a time to come in. How do I get you?" get you to come through. We'll talk. Uh, and I take them department by department. I introduce them to the servers. I introduce them to the bartenders. I introduce them to managers, golf pros, housekeepers, anybody that way. When they come back in the next time, they know a friendly face. Right. And that friendly face can then take them to another friendly face and another friendly face. Um, so my I'm waiting gets, through staff. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. My wife, my wife gets frustrated with me. We go out to dinner and I see four members and I make a point to go over and say, hello. Um, and, or I'm trying to leave the bar and, or the, the restaurant here at the club. And it takes me a half hour to get out the door because I'm going in, I'm saying, hi, I'm talking to people. And that's how you build that community. That's, that's what we're doing. Especially if I see a new member at, at the bar sitting alone, I go over and I talk to him and I say, Hey, have you met so-and-so have you met Mr. Jones? And, and that's that creation of the, that relationship is, is the, the bread and butter to what we do here. Um, I know, uh, how I Met Your Mother used to do the game. Have you met Ted? That's, I, I love that game. I think it's the best game on earth. I, I start everybody with my bartender. My bartender's been here 16 years. He knows everybody, their kids, their grandkids, and their their children. And that's and he just plays that game all day long. To create that connection is the most important part to what we're doing. And now we're going to start as we've 
developed this onboarding process. Now I get to start developing the, okay, I got X amount of new members. We're going to hold a quarterly new member mixer with some older members, create those groups, create those uh, chances to play together, tennis, rackets, whatever you want to do. Y'all come in, you sit down afterwards, you have a drink. Uh, it's almost like a, a mentee, mentee, mentor program too. Yeah. Give somebody to go to, hey, I got a question. How do I do this? And then we, we create that partnership. It's a partnership. Like you said, the membership and the club management should be a partnership in developing in the success of the club. Um, and that's really what I've begun to talk about as well. Yeah, well said. I know you've only been there a year. The club is how many years old? Um uh, 1894 was uh, found. Okay. So <laughs> it's been around. It's, not, it's been around. Um, one of the older clubs. Uh, and, and here's the thing. And, and, you know, you just mentioned that you, t- you tapped into that is, is multi-generational is these families, the kids grow up and I'm seeing it now as a, you know, a dad. Um, but my dad sees me where I grew up, grew up at my club, uh, our club, Wakabuck. And I'm still a member, even though I don't live in New York State. I'm still a, a you know, what do they call it, a non-resident member. I, I don't want to give that membership up. A, it just holds a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. B, you never know where your next job will take you. And 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 C, a lot of the same kids <clears throat> that I grew up with are parent or parent members now, parental members, and their kids are there. Um, so you know, it is a, it is, that's a way to make your club a destination is through generational uh, love or affection. Yeah. Do, do you guys have like a legacy member, like, like you know, an associate that a kid is grown up there, gets a better deal, you know, early yeah, on. We have a heritage program and we're starting mm-hmm. to see people really take advantage of those. And uh, we're starting to see relationships, relationships, well, whether romantic, personal, whatever they are, they're really starting to form out of those heritage memberships. It's kind of been fun to watch. And Unfortunately, we've seen a few of those memberships consolidate because of that, but it's, <laughs> I'd rather hey, have that than lose it. Don't lose a member over that. That's great. Beyond the Baselines is the leading executive search firm for private members clubs and boutique resorts. From the kitchens to the courts, the practice tees to the waterfront, Beyond the Baselines is your partner to find the best in-class employees for your club, facility, or resort. Whether you are a member-owned club or a corporate hotel entity, we are the specialists for you in elite hospitality. It's not just the members that should feel loyalty to their club. It's the sense of loyalty combined with the pride of offering superior service and hospitality in every worker that makes a good club that much better. So find that right candidate with us today. Call us today at 508-538-1288. That's 508-538-1288. Or visit us on the web at beyondthebaselines.com. And, and and let me ask you about the golf. So the golf, so so McConnell Golf, and, and you know, I did a little research before I got online with you, is is a is is basically a small a small company that owns 15 or 16 uh, club properties, right? Uh, we're at the 16 owned right now and two managed. Okay. So, and and, and it came out of, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong in the story, but it came out of the, the CEO's love of, of, a, of a particular golf course. He didn't want to see the golf course disappear. So he, he bought it and <laughs> saved it, right? And and now you're in a group of 16. Do you guys meet as GMs? Uh, do you share? Because that's a heck of a plethora of experience there with 16 GMs, 16 clubs all under the same roof. 
of this caliber of club and and you know this is an elite level of club do you guys meet up do you do you have do you guys have your own socials how does that work uh so coo or coo christian anastasiadis uh has really made it a point to building clubs of the future that's our motto we're going to build clubs of the future so he's he's going out and finding people and trying to build the bench for the next generation to really push the club industry forward um we have a great gm outing once a year that we do we all get together um, we sit down, we, we network, we brainstorm what's going on here. How can we do this better? Nice thing is we are in four States. Uh, we're in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, and, uh, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're in four States. You got four different cultures. Um, and that, and within that I'm 600 miles from, or 380 miles from the furthest one from us right it, over there in Wilmington, North Carolina. So we got two different cultures within the same, within the same state. Um, I just came back from the food and beverage conference for McConnell golf yesterday. I mean, and it's literally, they're bringing in everybody from those four States, those 16 clubs. And we're talking about what are the food and beverage trends? What are we doing here? How can we better this? And it's all about networking and to have that many minds in one room. Right. There's no, there's no ceiling to what we can do. Well, yeah. And, and you're all working for the same goal and mm-hmm. the same, same person or persons. Do you ever like if if I joined Asheville, right? If I join a country club of Asheville, do I have reciprocity at <laughs> other at other McConnell golf club golf clubs? Do I do I get yeah uh, yeah, yeah? The, See, that's a that's a the, great deal. It's a great deal, um, considering the fact that you got everything from he's got a variety of Donald Ross courses, some Tom Fazio's. He's bought the Pete Dye course up at Virginia Tech. Um, there's so many different courses, and then we host uh, Sedgefield which hosts the uh, Wyndham is mm-hmm. owned by McConnell golf. Okay. Uh, there's Knoxville open. There's a, there's a corn Ferry tournament in Raleigh. That is all that happens at Raleigh country club. Um, so we're playing championship golf. We're pure golf for the true golfer. And what's the true golfer these days? The true golfer is you and me. It's, it's mom and dad, yeah. it's the, kid, yeah. the, the parents with the kids and really creating that fam- familial atmosphere. We're a true family club. And that's really what John McConnell is pushing is the family club. It's funny you mentioned the designers, and they're all. I love Pete Dye, you know, uh, and Fazio. Um, I hate their uh, railroad ties because my ball's always hitting off the railroad tie at the lake. <laughs> but I grew up um, in, in Jupiter, Florida, for a couple of years, and uh, the, the community we lived in had uh, a Pete Dye course and a Fazio course. So I know those designers well. It, um, great courses, great designers. Do you ever feel competition from your other clubs? Like, here we are talking about making our club a destination and you've got 16 or 15 automatic competitors trying to make themselves just as good as you under the same umbrella. Do you ever feel that? Do you ever, maybe you use it to your uh, advantage, but do you feel like you're, you know, I've got to make my club more of a destination. How would you do that? And do you ever feel that? Um, You really don't feel it. I mean, that's what I love about the club industry. It's all about how do we make each other better? But at the same time, there's that, there's that ego that pops out every now and again saying, Hey, why aren't you going over there when you can come over to us? Asheville makes it very easy to be a place, a destination. Um, we get a lot of people coming up from them from the beach in the summer months to get away from the heat and humidity. Uh, we're considerably 20%, 20 degrees cooler than the ocean. Um, granted we are almost 400 miles from the ocean, but still so long. It's a big state. It's a big, you never know how big these Southern States are going to be. Um, but you you feel it in the process of you hear the members, oh, hey, I played this golf course or, hey, I had this this uh, this food over here. 
and they, they all go, they all come and go as they please, but we, they all have their home club. So it's not like they're running off to like, my members are not going to be running off to Wilmington every, every other week, or they're not going to be right. running off to Raleigh. Right. My members are going to stay here at, in Asheville. Um, and then they'll travel periodically, um, which is a great opportunity because sometimes we have to close down our golf course, whether it's for airification or tournaments or anything like that. And that's when our members travel. That's when they Wonderful. go check out courses. Yeah, check out the other courses. Do, do you guys have clubs that have rooms? Like, so can you stay in any of the clubs? Cause that'd be even better. Like you go over to Wilmington and say, yeah, I can stay at the club and play golf. Yeah, we do have a few. Um, the Musgrove Mill course in Clinton, South Carolina uh, has four, six rooms. And then we have a course up at water's edge and they're, they're literally built for stay and play courses. Great. Uh, there's not much around them and, and people go out and they're beautiful, beautiful courses. All right, I'm going to ask you a philosophical question now, and, and this emanates from t- two, two things, uh, two themes. Making your club a destination is, is, as you said, making the club a community is creating a, a, a service level based club that members want to come to. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, and it's more than once in a while now, I'll have a member of staff or I'll see someone that comes in on a staff that says, well, I don't have to be there early for that member. Or I don't understand why I have to serve the member so perfectly. Or I don't understand why I don't have to pick up that towel in the locker room while I walk by it as, you know, even because I'm in food and beverage or what have you. Are you finding some instances of that? How, how do you coach an employee uh, to, to understand that service level that's required? And 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 how and when when worse comes to worse, how do you say, hey, folks, your your time with us is gone, is over? So one of the tools I get to use, um, especially because of we're in this industry and it creates the verbiage here, um, with McConnell golf, we are, we are one company, we're multiple clubs, but we're one company. Mm -hmm. You take that down to the local level. We're multiple within the club industry, within our club, we're multiple departments, but we're one company. Everybody, everybody's goal is success. Um, I tell people all the time, excellence, excellence, excellence. And excellence is not just within food and beverage. It's not just within golf. We're breaking down pillars. We're breaking down communication barriers to build that goal of excellence. So I don't care whether it's me walking through the fitness center or the director of golf walking through the fitness center. If you pass by and you see something out of place, put it back together. Um, if you if somebody's not having a phenomenal experience, an excellent experience, how can we make your experience better? Um, I use golf right now to to uh, with some of our merchandising. We don't have a big spot in fitness for merchandising, so we're pushing that over there. Um, we're doing a lot with tennis. We're trying to do a cross cross collaboration to make sure that the experience is awesome. Now, if there's an employee that doesn't want to jump in on that experience, there's a coaching process we go to. And if at the end of the day, it doesn't fit, I've been in places where my culture doesn't fit with the culture of the club and we have to find that out. And if that doesn't fit, maybe we ask them to move on. Maybe they, and most nine times out of 10, they're going to move on themselves. I, I, I had a boss who said, if somebody wants to be here, they're going to do everything in their power to be here. If they don't, they're going to leave. They're going to do, they're going to take it on their own shoulders. And that's really where we're at. Um, it just takes us, maybe sometimes we have to help guide that direction. Uh, and that's, that's the wonderful thing about being in management is I get to guide people. I get to coach people. That's the best part about what we do is making those connections, making those people. And, and especially when we get the interns or the, the fresh out of college, we give them that work ethic. We give them that teaching moment saying, Hey, here's what we got to do. 
we're not here for us. We're here for them. They pay our bills. They help us have jobs and live in beautiful places. Yeah. That's, you know, you made a great point there. And I, I, I say that all the time. My, my orientation in the summer, Hey folks, welcome to the club. It's not your club. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's about the member. And, you know, four out of five, be like, hey, that's great. And then there's always one out of five that'll be like, oh, I don't want to come in on a Saturday or Sunday. I want my weekends off or I don't want to get there early or I don't. And normally halfway through the summer, it's pretty evident they're not going to be asked back for the next summer or they're not going to make it through the rest of the summer. And it's a choice, you know, they make as long as you can say to yourself and you just said it, if I can coach them and they're coachable, then they'll stay. If they're not, then they'll probably move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's tough. It's tough sometimes when you have, uh, when you have to keep that service level up and you've got one member of the team, that's just not quite in, in sync. It's, it's annoying. Just yeah. hoping I, I can get some hints from you, you know, <laughs> um, it's, it's not easy giving that feedback. That's the hard part. It's uh, it's like uh, that wheel with a nail and it just, just wanted to bounce over and you're good. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's just but, like, I mean, you know, I, I go like, Hey, we're changing this clinic or we're changing this event. Uh, you need to be in line with that and understand it. For example, how often do you change the menu? And when you change the menu, you know, is there a guide that you use with your chef, with your head of food and beverage? Uh, do you guys have a meeting, management meeting with the wait staff and say, hey, the, the, the menu is changing. Let's get on board with this. We've got to, you know, take the members through what's new. How often do you do that? And, and, and what's the process? So we flip our menu every two weeks. Our specials wow. change uh, weekly. It's very frequent. Um, so, our, our staff is used to changes in the menu is used to now we do have a course we have a we have a McConnell standard that we have on our menu we have a salad we have a, a sandwich that people so when they go from club to club to club they still feel like they're at home mm-hmm. um, but they're used to that changeover they're used to that flip so it's easy for our staff to understand okay we're going to change things up all right the membership is expecting it um, so we don't really try and do too much with it but uh, at the same time the training is always there hey Guys, this month, this week, we're doing a prime rib dinner. Um, we're doing king cut, queen cut, whatever we're trying to do. And we're going to move forward that way. Um, Chef right now, he's, he's gotten to a point where he just kind of tells me, hey, look, we're going to bring these menu items back because they were big sellers and we're going to keep going. And at the end of the day, what we try and do is talk about the other things that we have on the menu, um, the things that are stable, things that are there, like our wellness sample, um, which we sell. It's our most frequent buyer. Um, so it's not going anywhere. Uh, because really, with my, especially with my onboarding, uh, we're pushing a wellness initiative. We have gluten-free, vegan menu items, options for anybody and every everything that are with their intolerances out there. So we really try and push and maintain the, the frequency of wellness in our menus. Uh, Asheville's such fantastic. Active, yeah, it's such an active area that everybody was trying to push in that wellness. So when we talk about new menu items, we talk about what are the wellness implications of this menu item. You, so so um, so you change the menu every two weeks, um, and 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 you do you do breakfast? Do you do breakfast there? No, no, no not unless it's a tournament. Okay, so that's a lot of work though. Changing the menu, lunch and dinner, obviously, um, and the staff has to keep up with those changes, obviously, um, up on board with that. When you when you change a menu. Um, let's say you're going into this, like right now we're going into the season, you know, we're going into the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, you change the menu once for maybe, you know, the week before Thanksgiving, do you do it? Is there a Thanksgiving theme? Do you do different themes to get people to club during the holidays? Do you kind of do decor and all that kind of stuff? 
yeah whenever we whenever we go into a holiday season uh we always do decor decor is 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 key um i tell people we're gonna hit your senses uh, and that was a club med thing i took that from them i go what do you hear what do you see what do you smell what do you touch what do you what do you gotta what are you gonna do with everything um and i tell people all the time if if it smells good they're gonna come in and then they're gonna see it and then they're gonna hear it and they're gonna be excited by it um when the bar is slow you got to get people into the bar. How do you do that? You come, you come in, you create a little commotion. You have some, some people laughing and it always drives people in. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of the things that I love the most is uh, when I was at conference this week down in uh, Wilmington with the McConnell food and beverage teams, you could always smell when lunch was being served. Yeah. You just know it's time and, and you can kind of see people start to move around and get agitated a little bit because they want to get into that food. Smell that um, toast on the BLT. Oh yeah. Uh, um, so it, that you use the smells, you use the sights, you use the sounds. Uh, we did, uh, I have a great events and catering director and a director of communications who have really upgraded our decorations over the last year. Um, we're now doing, we do, uh, Christmas trees all over the place at Christmas time. And they've really started to develop. What does this look like? What does this event look like? Uh, this year for member guests, we did a casino theme. This place turned into Vegas. We had showgirls, we had Elvis, we had uh, slot, we had uh, table games, uh, we had glow in the dark, putt putt. I mean, it was just, it was, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you touch? What do you smell? That's and awesome. it was, it was a great experience. And the comments that we sold out in three minutes. That's with fantastic. With a wait list. Uh, no, okay. So, so you bring me on to my next comment, which was, uh, you talked about your director of communications and making your club a destination starts with how you market right? To the membership. This is what my background is in. Yours is fitness and wellness. Mine is marketing. And, and I'm wondering, you know, obviously you have some events there, but how do you reach out to your members? We're, we're finding it's some of the clubs we work with emails going a little stale. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people don't have to, it sounds crazy. They don't have the time to tap one extra tap to get to their email, but how are you marketing to your members? Is it through social media? Is it through texting? Is it through email mainly? Or is it uh, word of mouth with your staff or a combination? And, and what's your lead and how are you doing that? It's our combination of everything. Right now, our major our major push is emails. Uh, I send out a monthly email with the upcoming events, what is going to happen. Um, I'm working on a plan right now to, to expand that process. I know at Cherokee, each department sent out a monthly email. Um, with their events, what their happenings were. We sent here at Asheville, I send out a monthly email. We send out a weekly happenings email with all the upcoming events for that week. Um, we have an app for push notifications. We push through there. And then we mm -hmm. attack Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, we're, we're LinkedIn? You can attack LinkedIn. LinkedIn? Really? I have a LinkedIn account, so I'm posting something to, to LinkedIn all the time. Um, oh, and maybe I, your members are following on LinkedIn. That's a great idea. Yeah. I Before I started here, I, I when I announced that I had taken the job, I had members commenting, "Hey, happy day. glad to have you at the club and all that stuff." But it's people want to community, want that communities, social communities, social media communities are are then only the next evolution to what we're doing. Um, whether it's a community online or a community in person, we got to figure out how to tie the two um, and get them in. Uh, I know our marketing department at McConnell Golf is constantly trying to bridge that gap between. Uh, the social media community and the physical community. Uh, we do a magazine every two months. McConnell Golf does a quarterly magazine, um, and it, they're, oh, yeah, they're I saw major that, that magazine. That quarterly magazine is incredible. It's 110 pages. It's it's a beautiful piece of work. 
it's well done. Our membership yeah. department is phenomenal at, at, and marketing department. They, they try and engage the membership in such a, in such a positive manner that you can't help, but wonder. And the best part about it is it doesn't just go to the membership. It no, goes it goes everywhere. App. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I found it. I didn't get it. I found it. Yeah. But it, go, it gets mailed to the staff members' houses. Wow. So mine's sitting on my count on my coffee table. Yep. It's, well, it's, it's like a coffee table book. It's so thick. It it's is. Beautiful. It's so well presented. So so let me ask you. So you're trying to do I'm finding that push pushes, you know, off the off the I don't know if you use uh, North Star, what do you, whatever you use, what software do you use over there at the club? Club Essentials. Club Essentials. Okay. You can do pushes off that and, and members first. I know um we can do it there in Princeton. I'm doing it off uh, a couple of other uh, tennis softwares, um, tennis club software. So we're finding the pushes are, are are really getting some good return on investment. You know, people, it pops up on their, um, you know, if you make it sure, if you make the member know that, hey, you might miss something if you don't have the push notification. Um, are you finding pushes are, are doing well for you too? I haven't found the pushes are doing are, are building just yet because so many people are they have so many apps with push notifications on. So yep. people are starting to go in and make that manual adjustment to turn the push notifications off. Uh, but we're trying to work. We're working on trying to figure out how to do it better. And every time a new member walks through my doors, I go, I have the opportunity to say, hey, how do you guys like to be communicated? Do you like it? Do you like the push notifications through the app? Oh, by the way, we have an app. Um, yeah, or right. or uh, is it email? Is it word of mouth? And and nine times out of 10, they're telling me email right now. And that's, yeah. I mean, I have, we look at our numbers and our numbers are in the high seventies, low eighties, most of the time for, for opening, email. opening emails. That's high. That's really good. But nobody's clicking through. And that's what we're trying to figure out. Why do we, why do we not have those click throughs? Why, what's going on? Check the links. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, you know, that 70, 80 is high. You know, we're, we're, I mean, I, I, a couple of clubs I deal with, we, we see that. But most of them, you know, I think it depends on the age, the demographic of the main member. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, Instagram is a younger platform. And I think, you know, probably your, you know, your legacy kids, you know, are coming in at 25 to 35. They're probably on Instagram uh, watching those stories and stuff. But uh, the email does well, I think, for the slightly older demographic. Um but yeah, communications is so important. Do you have like when, and, and I, I, you know, this, making your club a destination, I actually, I remember uh, I did a, and this might be where we started talking. I did um, in the front of a clubhouse. I said, how do you make your clubhouse a destination? And sometimes I go in and there's a club here. I won't mention, but I go into the clubhouse and there's like posters everywhere in the foyer. I don't agree with that, but do you put like posters up or do you, you know, physical marketing materials in the clubhouse somewhere is there a separate area for that how do you look at that because sometimes members can say that cheapens the club but at the same time you've got to get that word of mouth out you've got to get the publicity out how, how do you how do you mix that up um so yeah we did put in uh digital rotating tv screens with the just rotating flyers um we try not to put them too much in the face of everybody but we do put them in high traffic areas to make sure that they're seeable um we also put table tents on all the tables um the other fun thing that we started doing is doing a costume night where the servers get dressed up. If we're trying to push a certain event, the servers get dressed up in that theme. That's um, great. So, so we go from black on black to the other day we were pushing the fall festival. The servers were allowed to come in flannels and, je and jeans. And right. uh, actually it did a great job. It took us, it, it garnered got, got us enough of people to do that event. Um, and that jeans was awesome. in the clubhouse. That's dangerous. No jeans, no denim, you know. 
those old rules. Oh yeah, um, no jeans in the club. Well, we're in Asheville. We're Asheville weird. We're good. What can do it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny. I mean, you look at the dress code, and there's another. You know, those are the things that are kind of maybe. I don't know what your club specifically. Maybe you could bring us up to date on that. But I see a lot of clubs. You know, saying, "Hey, you can have white jeans for you know women can have white denim." um you know denim at certain times or certain week uh, days of the week um have you guys relaxed the dress code in any way in the last year um we're no longer shirt and tie um and that's been kind of changing over the years um we do allow denim it has to be neat denim no cuts no tears anything like that uh with the rise of athleisure wear athletic leisure wear uh, it's been a tough tough road to battle and and you know what you got the lululemon leggings you got this stuff you kind of and you, you can dress them up or dress them down. Um, so it's been a tough go, but I still tell people, men, you got to come in and golf, golf attire. Um, and ladies, golf attire. Make sure it's clean. Make sure it's it's not dirty. So if you did work out in it, please, we have beautiful locker rooms. <laughs> please go change. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you can only do so much with a dress code. Otherwise, you start looking like a, like a gym with a bar inside of it. I, yeah, it, it's it's a fine line. And again, if to be welcoming, you don't want to be anti, you mm-hmm. know, somebody that's in Lululemon that, you know, you know, it, I heard someone say it the other day, that Lululemon leggings could probably cost a hundred bucks and a pair of Levi's that are clean denim pay third, you know, cost 30 or whatever. Right. Um, it's not just about the money value. It's about the whole look. And I think, you know, you have to bring the membership in on that and say, hey, you know, we got to draw the line somewhere. Uh, it's not easy. And that's not and that's one of the points I think that a lot of people sometimes fall away from, you know, making it a destination. So you have to run that carefully. I'm, I'm sure you do. Yeah, you, you got to you got to walk that fine line, because if you don't, you're going to be uh, you're going to find you can try and fall one way or the other. Um, and you can't be too elegant in a place like Asheville, like the Asheville Mountains, where most people walk around in blue jeans all day long. It's a, it's a mountain community. Beyond the Baselines is the leading executive search firm for private members clubs and boutique resorts. From the kitchens to the courts, the practice tees to the waterfront, Beyond the Baselines is your partner to find the best in-class employees for your club, facility, or resort. Whether you are a member-owned club or a corporate hotel entity, we are the specialists for you in elite hospitality. It's not just the members that should feel loyalty to their club. It's the sense of loyalty combined with the pride of offering superior service and hospitality in every worker that makes a good club that much better. So find that right candidate with us today. Call us today at 508-538-1288. That's 508-538-1288. Or visit us on the web at beyondthebaselines.com. So to, to wrap up, second to last question, what what have you done the most in your first year, first year there, um, that you think, you personally, it doesn't have to be scientific, but that you think has made the club the most welcoming as a destination since you've been there? What have you done? I have uh, really increased my disposition's presence around the club. Um, it's not just the dining room that I go into. I'm, I'm at first tee. I'm at, um, well, I wouldn't say I'm at first tee, but I'm at, I'm at the green. I'm at the putting green. I walk around. I really try and get to know people. I try and uh, shake hands as much as I possibly can. The old saying, uh, shaking the babies, kissing the hands or mm-hmm. other way around, whichever way you want to do it. Um, 
but you got to be that, you got to have that personality that wants to draw people together. Um, the pool is one of the spots that I, most people despise the pool. When the pool's open, everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's the pool. I think it's great because you got people, you got families getting together with families and they were just hanging out. They got nowhere else to go. They want to, they want to get together and sit down. And that's my time to go out and say, Hey, good to see you. What are we doing? How are you, how are you guys enjoying this, this experience? And nine times out of the 10, people are happy unless they can't get their Mai Tai or they can't get their, their tequila, whatever it is. Um, but there's always an easy way to fix that. And I love pool season because that just brings in the busyness. It brings the people together. Friends are bringing friends and, and you always get to meet somebody new and you get to, you get another opportunity at excellence. You know, one of my students who's now a director at another club, um, I was his mentor and he said, uh, availability is the best ability. And I think that is a, a, just what you said. You, you made yourself available to the club. If you look at the, the you know, KKNW, just the big searches, their number one thing is they say, be available to the membership. And I think that if, 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 if you have a head of the club or a head of a department that's not available and not welcoming, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot as a club. And uh, you, you nailed it, that one. Uh, just for fun, what do you think was your lowest point <laughs> your first year? Do you have a... What, what could you, what would you change that you did that you think maybe I could change that? What, what, what do you think? Oh, uh, there's always know? something. Of uh, course. I can't think of it. Can't think of uh, one thing off the top of my head, but there's, there's things like uh, the, the bag drop experience. What is, what do they feel? What do they see when they walk up to the bag drop? Is, is it just a podium or is there an actual structure out there to, to make people welcome and know, Hey, look, this is what we're going to do. This is the, what, what you're supposed to expect when you come to the club. Um, I think there's an opportunity out there to, to grow the, the tennis facility. Our tennis facility is kind of down and away from our normal clubhouse. And we got a beautiful, we, we're one of three facilities in Asheville with indoor tennis courts. Gorgeous. How do we grow that? It's, it's awesome. Um, what, what is that experience and, and how can we build upon that? And the fact that at the end of the day that we're still building and growing gives me hope. Um, there, that's why I can't say there's just one thing that I said that that was a low point. There's multiple things here that I've only touched the, the low hanging fruit. Now we get to start climbing the tree a little bit to pick on the other stuff and, uh, it's only going to keep going. Great having you on. Are you going to be out at the uh, CMAA conference in, uh, is it in Vegas? It's in Vegas. It's going home for me. So yeah, I'll definitely be there. I'm going to be there, so I'll, I'll make sure we meet up in person and uh, look forward to meeting you. Thank you so much, Aaron, for being on the podcast. It's really been interesting talking to uh, a GM of one of the most elite clubs on the east eastern seaboard, and thanks for making time for us. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast. It's a pleasure bringing you each week's news and views and great guests from our tennis, fitness, and country club industries. You can always reach the team here at BeyondTheBaselines at gmail.com or on the phone at 508-538-1288. Please do visit our website at www.BeyondTheBaselines.com which is updated regularly with even more information for you, your club, or your facility. See you again soon.